Uh, as I get started this morning, i got a question for us, and my question is pretty simple, and uh, I want everybody to participate in this. How many of you have ever purchased exercise equipment before, like a, a treadmill, a stationary bike, thigh master, that sort of thing? I'm kidding about thigh master, just kidding about that. All right, for you, oh yeah, we, we've done that a couple times in, in the past. Um, how many of you have in your home right now, it's another question to answer, that you had the exercise equipment, how many of you now have a really expensive place to hang up your clothes? Yeah, that's usually what happens, right? Because we get to this place where like, we go to the doctor and the doctor's like, you need to get in shape. Or we look at ourselves in the mirror like, hey, I need to get in shape. And so we go out and we buy this exercise equipment. We, we bring it home. We set it up. And we're like, man, I'm really excited about this. And for like two, three, maybe four weeks, we keep using that equipment over and over and over again. But then there comes this point where we're kind of like, man, I'm kind of tired. My work schedule's crazy. I'm worn out. You know, the kids have things going on. And so I'm just too busy. And so then we forget about getting on that exercise equipment and using it, even though we spent all that money on it sometime prior. But here's what we do. We walk past that exercise equipment, maybe every single day just because of where it's located, and we see it, and here's what we say. Someday I'll use that equipment again. Someday I'll exercise. Someday I'll get in shape. But right now... There's too much going on. I'm busy. I'm worn out. I'm tired. Someday I'll fix this. Today we begin this brand new series called Rose to Circles. And over the next three weeks, we'll be explaining what this looks like and what this is about. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. But as we begin today, we're going to talk about someday. Because that's what many of us say. We, we look at our lives and we look at who we are. And we, we see certain parts of us that we want to fix. That we want to change. That we want to make different. And here's what we say. I'll get to it someday. Someday I'll fix this. Someday I'll repair this. Someday I'll work on this. And so we say someday all the time. Here's what I find. Someday never comes. We never change. We never fix it. We never become different. We're the same person. And yet we keep saying someday, someday, someday. Now, when you think about some days for a, a second, you, you begin to understand that some days begin as good intentions. Like we want to change. We want to be different. We want to fix this. And so we have these great intentions of, of doing that. There's a saying that you've probably heard before that says the road to hell is filled with good intentions. And it's true if you think about it. We have these good intentions in our life. We want to do these things. We want to change. We want to be different. And yet we never do. And when we never do, we're still the same. We're still that same person. We still struggle with those same things. We, we still hurt. There's still pain. We never get to this place of where we actually fix ourselves. The intentions are good, but we're still saying someday. And here's what happens. Someday comes, and you're meeting with your doctor. Maybe a doctor you've seen over the past few years, and your doctor has said, hey, here's some things you need to do to change your lifestyle, to fix your health. And, and you go in, the doctor says, it's too late. I've told you this is what you need to do. I told you these are the steps you need to have taken, and you never did that. And now your health is at risk. Or maybe you're sitting in your kitchen one day and your spouse walks in and sits down across from the table from you and, and they hand you this, this envelope and say, hey, we've talked about fixing this. We've talked about changing and being different when it comes to our, our marriage and, and making sure that we can, we can be who we're supposed to be. But, but we've never taken those steps. And, and some days today, here's, here's the paperwork. I need you to sign this because we're going to get a divorce. 
We have good intentions, and we say we're going to fix things, we're going to change, but we never do. And so someday comes, and someday may be too late. This morning, I want to look at a story, an event that takes place in the New Testament, it's an event in the life of Jesus, where somebody had an opportunity to say, hey, someday I'll fix this, I'll change. But that's not the answer they give, gave to Jesus. They said, okay, I will do this. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke 5 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Can we turn up the house lights so people can read? Um, it's worse for me because I can actually see your faces when uh, the lights come up. But there you are. Hey. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love all of you. Um, we're going to put the words up on the screen. There are Bibles in the seats in front of you, so you can grab those Bibles if you want to, if you want to use those. Uh, one of the things I tell you, those Bibles are free. If you need a Bible, your Bible is torn up, your Bible was eaten by your dog, somebody you know needs a Bible, please take those. We can replenish those. You can follow along your Journey Church app, and you can take notes there, and you can also follow along in your program this morning. But in Luke chapter 3, or excuse me, 5, starting with verse 1, here's what we read. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Jesus is doing his thing, right? He's teaching. This is what he is known for. He's known for teaching. He's known for healing people. And so here he is at the Sea of Galilee. Now, Sea of Galilee is not really a sea as much as it is a lake, but, but whatever, that's what they called it. Um, it was perfect for someone to teach, to be there to teach at that kind of location because of the hillside. And so there's this hillside there, and there's all these people on this hillside. Jesus is down at the shore, and here he is. He's t- teaching. He's preaching to these people, and more and more people keep showing up. And so it is packed out. There's so many people there that Jesus has to say, okay, I got to do something here. And so he, he steps back into the boat and pushes out a little bit from shore so that he can teach. Now, I'm going to say something that I hate when speakers say this, but this is what I got to do. We're going to press pause for a moment, okay? So I'm going to press pause and I want to kind of take what's happening right here because this crowd that we're seeing and we're experiencing here in the story is kind of what we've been experiencing here at The Journey for the, the last little bit. And so I want to talk about that for just a moment. Um, you guys are going to get some insider information, all right? Those people are at the beach, you know, they're hanging out on the beach and they're in the mountains and they're flying all these crazy places on Labor Day weekend. They're not getting ready to hear all this important information. You guys get this because you showed up on Labor Day weekend, okay? <laughs> so here we go. Um, you have probably noticed, if you've been here over the past year, that this church, and some of you have asked me, is this church growing? And it is. More and more people keep showing up every single week. And here's what I will tell you about that. Um, some people have said I talk about the growth of this church too much. I actually don't, but that's a perception. Here's the other piece of that. It's not me, okay? And it's not our staff. It's not our leaders. This is all a God thing that is happening here. Uh, I've said this before. We have a terrible marketing plan at the Journey Church. We spent $200 on the sign that you see every time that you pull in here. Uh, a lot of you have shown up because you've driven past that sign on Franconia. That's been there two years. Um, we, we, we see that a lot of you are connected to the Journey because of, of connections and friendships and networks that you're a part of through the Internet and through forums. And so you come here because of that. And a lot of you are here because people have invited you. It's just, we love to see. You keep showing up, Okay. And if you were here last Sunday, which was the end of August, it should have been kind of a low week. We had almost 700 people who showed up last Sunday, okay? If you were here, you felt that, right? 
Parking lot was packed. The kids' classrooms, especially during first service, were packed. This room was packed, this, this service specifically. And, uh, and so I just want to share some stuff that's happening here at the Journey, what's going on here, and kind of some plans and, and ask that we have for you. So first, I kind of want to show you what's happening, okay? So I, I got some graphs I want to put up here on the screen. So here's the first graph. In 2016, this church was averaging about 413 people. Now, the average church size in America is 75 people, Okay. The average church size, and the church sizes in America is continuing to decrease. Um, 2017, we averaged 489 people, so we, we grew a little bit. Um, in 2018, we averaged 517 people, so we saw a little bit of growth over those two years. Again, you know, we're moving in a trajectory that's north, and this is not about our staff. This is not about leadership. This is God's doing something here. Here's 2019. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. We're average over 600 people on a Sunday morning. So if you look at that graph, we're about 100 people more per week than we were the year before. And if you're new here, every single summer we plan on 100 people moving because so many of you have a military, you know, you're military and you're PCS in somewhere. So, uh, so we've grown by like 200 people, which is crazy, which, which our staff feels, okay? And, and we're, we're figuring all that out. Uh, again, this is God doing cool, crazy stuff here at this this church. Um, it has nothing to do with your staff and your lead pastor, and uh, it's just God is doing amazing things, and we're, and we're seeing this happen. So, if you've been here on a Sunday morning, especially this year, you've probably felt some of that that pain, that which is a good pain, by the way. Uh, this pain. Here's something that we are doing. Here's the ask. Okay, on your paper there, you can write the ask, and here's the ask for you. If you've got kids under the age of middle school and lower, and you're in this service, we're going to invite 15 families to move to the 11 o'clock service, okay, just through December. Um, if you're like, yeah, that's nice, but I'm not going to do that. Here's the deal. We've already made a list, <laughs> and it keeps getting longer. We got a list of 15 families right now. We're going to come face to face because here's what I say. I say something from stage. You're like, that sounds great. We'll do it. And you won't do it. We're going to get in your face and like, hey, we love you. Move to second service. Okay. <laughs> and so we're going to invite some of you to do that just for a period of time through December so that it, we feel the tension in here. But downstairs, it's crazy, right, parents? Or if you're volunteering down there. We have classes that, based on where we are right now in terms of numbers, we haven't even hit our October bump yet. Um, and so our classes are going to be capacity. And so we got to cap them. And we're going to have to tell families, hey, you're going to have to take your kids upstairs because we just can't bring any more kids in here. We don't want to do that. We hate to do that. We've had to do that a couple times before. And it's never a pretty sight. We want to open up more space, all right? And our second service with kids is a space right now that is more open than our first service. Here's what God does, though. This is a crazy thing. Fifteen families will move to second service and open up those spaces, and God will send 15 more families to fill in those holes. That's the way God works. Uh, we always want to be a church that opens up space for new people. And here's why. If you're coming from another church and you drove a long distance or something happened there, we're, we're glad you're here. If you moved here and you're a Christian and you were at churches and you came great, we're trying to open up as much space as we can for people that are far from God. Uh, our second service today, we have a couple who are going to be baptized that um, <laughs> they, they were far from God. They hadn't gone to church in a long, long time, kind of walked away, if you will, and took a break. And uh, they came here, and because there was space for them, 
they're at this point today, they're going to say, hey, we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to be baptized. That's why we do this. That's why we invite you to take this step with us. It may not be perfect for you. We, we understand the whole nap thing. Um, but man, we're asking 15 families with kids to move to that second service. So that's the ask, okay? Some of you are going to get face-to-face too. Here's the second one, the plan. Here's the plan. We always want to make sure we have space for people. So here's the insider information. Our plan is on January 5th, 2020, we will actually move to three services here at The Journey. Now, that's, I know that's like, you're like, dude, that's like five months away from, we got a plan now, okay? And some of you may be saying, why don't we do that now? We're not prepared for that. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the coaches in place, the leaders in place. Uh, we're trying to hire another full-time staff person. And so we're doing all these things in hopes that by January 5th, we will be ready to go. I have some of you going know, like, what time are you going to do? We'll get there later on, okay? This is just the first little bit of information for you. Uh, and the reason is, again, so that we can open up more space for more and more people to get to know who Jesus is so they can take their next steps towards Christ. And so that's our plan. Now, I'm sure you've got a million different things. We used to do Sunday night, and we did Saturday night, and we did Friday morning. That's wonderful, okay? We're going to have three services on Sunday morning. We made that decision. Unless there's 500 people here in October, then we'll <laughs> come back from that. But... That is our plan moving forward because God is up to something here. Now, I know some of you are like, why are you talking about this? Let's not connect with our story at all. Okay, let's push play now, right? So we're going to push play back to our story. What Jesus finds and what Peter finds is that there's so many people that are there that are listening to what Jesus has to say that, um, that Jesus has to do something different. And so he jumps into this boat. He backs off so that he can, he can speak to more and more people. Again, let me say this too. I'm not equating myself to Jesus, all right? That is not, no, not even close. Um, the, the, the crowd piece is the, the deal. Verse 4. When he had fin- finished spoking, speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deep and let down your nets to catch some fish. Peter's a fisherman. Let me tell you a little bit about how he got to this place. Uh, when you were a Jewish young boy, you would go to Hebrew school and they would teach you. And you would learn all about Hebrew and the Torah and the Old Testament, you know, what we call the Old Testament. And so you would learn all about this. And they would come to this point in your, your schooling where they would give you this test, right? It's kind of like the rabbinical SAT. And so it depended on how you did on this SAT that, where you would go. And so if you passed it, if you passed this test, then you had this green light. Here's what this green light meant. You got to go find a rabbi. And so you would go around, you kind of take like your test scores, and you, you take all this information, you take your application, you go to these rabbis, you're like, hey, rabbi, I would really like to follow you. And the rabbi would kind of ask some questions, maybe look some, through some of your work and, and say, okay, you know what? I don't think you're quite right for me. Go find another rabbi. And so you would go to another rabbi and you would ask those same questions. And finally, one of them would say, I would love for you to do this. I would love for you to be my disciple. Will you follow me? And so this little kid, this boy, this teenager probably would begin to follow this rabbi and man, they were set. They could work in government. They could work in theology. Um, they could, they could work in the role of a Pharisee, like we talked about last week, kind of the, the attorneys, the lawyers in that day and time. You were set. You were set financially. You were set with your job. You had everything that you needed. If you didn't pass, then they would tell you, hey, you need to go back home and learn the trade of your family. Peter didn't pass. And so Peter was told, you need to go back and learn the trade of your family. And the trade of his family was to be a fisherman. 
And so that's where Peter is. Peter is doing this job that he's probably been done, doing for a few years, probably been doing since he was a kid. And so he's learned this trade. He's a, he's a fisherman, and he's finished up his work. He's docked his boats. He's cleaning his nets. Uh, he's tired. He's worn out. Uh, he's, he's untangling them. He's repairing any damage that's been done there. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Jesus jumps into his boat. One of the things I've told you before is don't just read these for face value. Put yourself into the story. So put yourself into to the place of, of Peter, right? Now, it says Simon here. Simon is Simon, and it's Peter, and it's Simon Peter. It's not like the Trinity part two, okay? This is, this is just his name. His name kind of gets thrown around. It's mostly Peter. But Peter has this guy who gets in his boat, and I'm thinking, if I'm Peter, I'm wondering, like, who is this dude? What are you doing in my boat? Like, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I had a terrible night of fishing. I just want to go home to my family. Dude, get out of my boat. Right? I mean, this is probably what Peter is thinking in his mind. Verse 5. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down. If you know much about Peter and his fishing stories, he's like the worst fisherman ever. Because every time we meet Peter in Scripture and he's fishing, he can't catch anything, right? He can't catch any fish whatsoever. But... But this is his trade. This is what he's been taught. This is what he, he does. He knows how to be a fisherman. And Jesus jumps in the boat and all of a sudden says, Hey, dude, why don't, dude's my favorite word, by the way, today. Dude, why don't you take your boat, go out a little bit deeper, drop the nets, and you're going to catch some fish. Peter's probably like, Dude, I'm the expert. I'm a fisherman. This is what I know. You can teach. I can do this. You ever been around that person who knows how to do everything? Maybe they're sitting beside you right now. I don't know. <laughs> like golf is the best of this. If you play golf, you go play golf with some, some people, and there's always that person in your foursome who really, know, who really knows how to play golf, right? And so you're there, and you're having a hard time. You're spraying the ball all over the place. And there's that one person who's like, hey, let me show you how to fix this. And they get the golf club, and they show you how to do it, and they do the exact same thing. And in fact, you're thinking there, you're like, you're a worse golfer than I am. What am I supposed to learn from you? And if they're good friends, you tell them that right there from the beginning. But in golf, there's always this one person who thinks they know how to play golf. In life, there's always that one person who knows they, or thinks they knows everything better than you do. I think Peter's probably like, you think you know this, but, but I'm the expert. I'm the fisherman. Nothing is getting ready to happen here. We're not going to catch any fish whatsoever. But what does Peter do? He does exactly what Jesus asks him to do. He pushes the boats out. He goes a little bit deeper. He drops the net. Now, we don't know quite why he does this. Uh, it could be that he was afraid of the crowds. You know, there's a big crowd of people there that are watching. And Jesus says, hey, go push your, your boat out. And go fish out there a little bit deeper. Put your nets out. I, I don't know. I, some of you are football fans. You know, Indianapolis Colts quarterback, Andrew Luck, he uh, retired a few weeks ago. And everybody found out during one of their preseason games at home. So they started booing him. I wonder if that's kind of like Peter's like, I don't want these people to boo me. So I'm going to go out and do what this guy just told me to do. Or it could be that Peter's just desperate. I mean, he might not be that great of a fisherman. And so maybe he knows, I'll just do whatever it takes. I just, I need something to change in my life. Whatever it was, Peter drops the nets a little bit further out. Verse 6. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. The shout for help brought the partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. 
They have so many fish that the nets are breaking, they're ripping, they're tearing. And Peter's like to the other crew, come on out here, bring the other boat. And so they bring the other boat and they have so many fish that it, it weighs down both boats to the point of both of them are about to sink. If you're Peter, you're thinking, this is the best day ever. And if you're like me, you're probably like, cha-ching, 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 right? Because every one of those fish means income. And so I'm sure in, my, in Peter's mind, he's thinking, this is a great day, and we're going to make a ton of money from what has just happened here because of what Jesus has done. Look at verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Peter's response to this is he kneels down in front of Jesus and he says, I'm a sinful man. We don't know why he says that. Uh, conjecture is that he's just, he was full of doubt. Because can you imagine somebody who you think doesn't know about fishing tells you to go out and throw your nets and you're going to catch a bunch of fish. So in your mind, you're thinking, this guy's crazy, but we'll do it anyway. So maybe it was doubt. Maybe he's like, oh, I, I doubted you. Could have been anger. Peter is known to be a little bit of a hothead. And so it could have been that he was upset that night because they weren't catching fish and the guys weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And and maybe he said a few things to them that he regretted. Maybe, maybe that night he cursed God because he couldn't catch any fish. Or or again, maybe he's just desperate. He's like, what have I got to live for? I mean, I'm just going to, I'm just going to try this. Whatever it is, he comes back and he, he, he kneels down in front of Jesus and he says, I am a, I'm a sinful man. And I think part of it is he knows that in that moment his life has has changed. Look at the rest of verse 10 through 11. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now this afraid piece here, the the word is actually in awe. That that Peter and James and John and the crew, I mean, they are in awe of Jesus in this moment. They can't believe what has happened. And, And so... Jesus tells Peter, he's like, hey, Peter, don't be afraid of me. This isn't a magic trick. Like, like this is real. This is, this is who I am. Uh, things are going to change for you, Peter, right now in this moment. You're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for people. If we look in Matthew, we find a little retelling of the story. And, and Jesus says, follow me. And they follow him. And that's exactly what we see here. They follow Jesus. But that's what blows my mind. Look at that last sentence there. It says, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is probably their biggest haul they have ever had of fish in their whole entire career. And it was like instantly. And again, I think they're probably thinking, we are going to make so much money. And maybe Peter's thinking about, man, I can expand my business now. Right? I can pay off my debt I can take my family on a really nice vacation. I can remodel my house. Man, my kid's going to have a great bar mitzvah. This is going to be awesome. And so he's probably thinking all these things in his mind. But, but when Jesus says, come and follow me, Peter's response and James's response and John's response is they leave everything. They leave it all right there and they follow Jesus. You go back and look at this and... You can sense that Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, I see something in you. There's something about you that maybe you don't even know about yourself. And and I know this about you. And if you follow me, your life is going to change. It's going to be different. It's going to be fixed. It's going to be so much better. 
than anything you could have experienced in your life. Peter had an option, right? Peter could have said, man, that sounds good. But, but look, I got all these fish and we got to clean them and then we got we to sell them and then we got to pay off this debt and I got to take care of my family and this vacation and remodel and do all these things. He could have said that. He could have said, someday, Jesus, I'll follow you. That's not what Peter does. Peter says, follow me, or Jesus says, follow me, and Peter drops everything to follow Jesus. He didn't say someday. He said, all right, I'll do that now. As we look at this event today, I want to I want to ask us two questions, and I think these are two very pertinent questions you and I have to answer in our lives. The first question that we have to answer is, what is your someday? What's your someday? What is that thing in your life that you keep saying someday about? That you look at your life and you're like, hey, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to change this. I'm going to be different. Someday, I'll do that. Right now, though, man, I got a lot of fish. I need to sell them all. And I need to make that money. And I got to go on that vacation. I got to remodel my house. I got to take care of these kids. Someday, someday I'll fix this. Someday I'll change. I'm guessing all of us in here probably know what our someday is. We probably have a pretty good feeling of what that someday is in our life. Because we keep saying it every day. Someday I'll change. Someday I'll be different. And maybe for you, your someday is to pay off debt. And you keep thinking about, hey, I know the next steps I need to take. I need to do a budget. I need to plan. I need to, I need to meet with somebody who can kind of walk me through this, this process. And yet we keep failing at it, right? We keep failing because we keep saying, but someday I'll fix this. Someday I'll work on my finances. Someday I'll put this plan together. Someday I'll have a budget in place. But here's the reality. Someday may be too late. For others of us in here, maybe your someday is an addiction. You know, we, we keep saying, I can't beat my addiction because it's, it's genetics. Uh, someday I'll, I'll go to therapy. I, I'll go to counseling. I, I don't have time. And we keep failing as we, we try to fix this someday because we keep saying, someday we'll, we'll do this. Someday I'll get into a program. Someday I'll make it a priority. Someday I'll change. Here's the deal. Someday may be too late. And for others of us in here, if you're married, it could be that your someday is your marriage. And I, I just, if I can be blunt for just a, a moment about marriage, uh, your marriage isn't failing because of communication issues. It's not failing because of work schedules. It's not failing because you've fallen out of love, okay? Your marriage is failing because you keep saying someday. Someday I'll fix my marriage. Someday I'll work on it. Someday I'll go to counseling. Here's what's going to happen if that's what we keep saying within our marriages. Someday is going to come and it's going to be the spouse sitting across the table from us who's going to hand us those papers and say, I need you to sign this because your someday has come. What's your someday? Is it finances? Is it addictions? Is it relationships? Is it, is it your marriage? Is it following Jesus? We all have someday's. And when someday comes, it's not going to be what we thought. And so we have to understand and know what our someday is. What is your someday? Which then leads me to the second question. Do you want to change? 
Do you want to change? Because we keep saying, someday I will do this, but I wonder, do we really want to change? Now, our intentions are good. We're like, hey, I really want to make this better. I want to change this and fix this and be different. I want to do these things. And yet we keep saying, someday. And so it makes me wonder, do we truly want to change? As a pastor, one of my roles is I get to counsel people every once in a while. And, um, and as I do that, I have these conversations and, and as we send them to people who are actually counselors and counselors work with them, we, we have these conversations back and forth. One of the things I find is that people want to change, okay? <laughs> but I also wonder, do people really want to change? Do, do, we, do we really want to change? Do we want to move from the hurt and the pain and the tension and the struggle and the anger and the fear that, that so many of us have? Sometimes I think we love that. We just kind of want to hold on to that. We gravitate toward it. And it's like a badge of honor, a badge of courage. We say we want to change, but, but we really don't. That's my question. Do, do you want to change? Do, do I want to change who I am? Because for many of us, we know what our someday is. But I think we like the pain and the hurt and the struggle. So my question is, do you want to change? We come to a place like this on a Sunday morning, and I truly believe this is where change happens. Um, We come here and we we sit in rows, right? That's the rows to our rows to circles. Uh, That's what the rows mean. It's about being here in in this place on a Sunday, and you're sitting in rows. And and in rows, it's all about this vertical relationship that that we have with God, or we're trying to find with God through Christ, right? So we sit here, and we're a part of what happens on a Sunday morning through our worship service. And we we sing together, and we pray, and we have a message, and then we take communion together. It's all about this connection with God. It's all about these rows. Now, here's the deal. The majority of people who really want to change in their life, when they're facing pain and hurt and struggles and tension and anger and fear, the place they show up more than any other is right here. Somebody has said something to them or they remember back in the day something about church and so they walk into these doors and they're like, man, I hope I can find that change that I'm looking for because I've been saying someday over and over again and someday hasn't come. And so maybe this is the story that you have. You are here because you've been seeking out that change or you were seeking it out a long time ago and you showed up in a church setting. You, you showed up in these rows and, and this is the place many people meet Jesus for the very first time. But this is about these vertical relationships we have. There's another piece to this. And I truly believe this is where the transformation takes place. And it's not here on a Sunday morning. It's what happens in groups. Here at The Journey, we want to see more and more people move from rows to circles, to move from what we experience on a Sunday morning to being part of of groups. Groups of people who are, (laughs) let me just be honest, a bunch of misfits, okay? We'll talk about that next week. A bunch of imperfect people. But we understand that we keep saying someday and we want something to change and we want to change and, and our groups are the best place to have that happen, to experience that to do life together with other people that may be facing the same hurts and struggles and pains that you are, have been there in the past. A, pl- a place where you can come together and, and, and cry on each other's shoulder or, or go out for a beer so you can talk through your marriage with somebody, whatever it may be for you. Just a place where you can connect with other people so that we can build this, this horizontal relationships that we have with others that are, that are all focused on one thing, that are focused on Jesus. We want to see more and more people move from rows to circles. Over the next few weeks, through our series here and over the next few weeks through email and a couple of other ways, uh, we are going to tell you more about our groups. And we're going to invite you 
to jump into one of our groups here at The Journey. Just for a semester, just for the fall. It's about an eight, nine-week time frame. Because we understand that even though we're here, and this vertical relationship is the most important relationship we have, we know being here on earth, we need those horizontal relationships and connections with others. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that. We're going to invite you to join in to a group so that, hopefully, we can all get to a place of where we're not saying someday anymore. Then when it comes to following Jesus and Jesus says, follow me, we're like, I'm going to drop everything and I'm going to do just that. This morning, um, during this service and our next service, we have people that are taking their next steps. that are saying that, like, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what Jesus has called me to do. And so this morning, at the end of our service today, we have one of our young, young gentlemen are being baptized. We have uh, Morgan. Where's... Morgan Ponser. Okay, Morgan Ponser. Okay, so we're, we're going to go get Morgan as we do that. And uh, as we do that this morning, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, I'm going to invite our band to come on up here, and uh, we're going to begin uh, our communion time. And as we, we head into communion time this morning... I want you to ask yourself that question. Is there something in you that needs to change? Is there a step that you need to take in, in your life? Is there a connection that, that you need? And so we're going to sing together. We're going to sing as this church community. And as we do that today, I'm going to invite you to the front and I'm going to invite you to the back to take the bread and the juice, take it back to your seats, remain standing. We're going to sing with Gary as he leads us today. And then we'll, we'll take communion together. If you fill out a connection card, you can put it in the front baskets or the baskets in the back. But I want you to ask yourself those two questions as we sing today. What is your someday and do you want to change?